So here's the title of my sermon tonight. Where does courage come from? Everybody wants it, but how do you get it? Everybody tells you you need to be strong. How do you, how do you become strong? Everybody says you need to have courage. How do you find courage? You need to be brave. Everybody wants to be brave. I was listening as they were singing tonight, and one of the lyrics of the song was, make us desperate. If you really meant that, look out. Because when you ask God to make you desperate, he will. But then when you get desperate, don't say, what are you doing? Because if you ask God to make you desperate and he makes you desperate, that's your moment to grow, not groan. So if you ask God to make you desperate and then he does, don't flip it around on him and say, wait a minute, what are you up to there? So sometimes we need things, but we don't understand the process of how those things come to us. So in this particular thought process, God and Moses is telling a young man he needs something, and he knows he needs it. He just has no idea how to get it. So the pressure is on. Now think about this. You think you have pressure. Think about this kind of pressure. God says to Abraham, walk the land, and I'm going to give your descendants every place your foot touches. You'll own it. You just got to keep walking. Don't stop. If you stop, that's one more foot of land your descendants can't own. And Abraham was 75 years old when he gets this command, and he takes it very serious. So he builds altars to mark his territory where he's been. He walks in his lifetime 3,461 miles. Think about that. 3,000 461.2 miles. From Ur, where he started, he traveled 700 miles to the border of present-day present day Iraq. Then he walks with cattle and everybody he has with him, family, another 700 miles to Syria. And from there, he can't stop. So he picks up everything and keeps walking another 800 miles down to the land of Canaan for a total of 3,670 and 61 miles. And you may think that was easy, but there were no roads. And he was bringing cattle along. And it took him not a year, not two years. It took him 100 years to do it. So he's walking by faith for 100 years without seeing results, and he's going on one word. Can you hang on to one word for 100 years? So the pressure's on to keep walking, and Abraham has spent his entire life fulfilling one promise. Every place your foot touches, I'll give it to your descendants. Problem is he doesn't have any descendants. He has no children, but he keeps walking. Every place your foot touches, I'm gonna give it to you. Now he eventually gets a son by the name of Isaac. Well, you know the other story too, Ishmael. We won't talk about him. He gets a son, Isaac, who inherits this mantle. So his father has now paid a price for 100 years, walking the entire time to claim land that is not his own for his descendants. His son inherits the mantle and continues to build wealth. Now the land has already been marked, so that promise is not to Isaac. That was to Abraham. So Isaac's 
part in this, in this uh, promise is to accumulate great wealth. So he takes the wealth of his father and he begins to accumulate wealth. So that's his part of the responsibility. So Isaac becomes even richer than his father who's already very wealthy. He has becomes much richer than his father doing business with kings and his journey is amazing, but he only has two boys to carry it on and one of them is a wild man and a womanizer. That's the only thing, you know the only reference to Esau in the whole New Testament is he was a woman chaser. That's all it says. Irresponsible woman chaser. Now you know a little bit of why Jacob had to carry the mantle. So Jacob picks up the mantle of this land that Abraham's walked for 100 years. Jacob picks up the mantle and Jacob has 12 sons. Now these 12 sons will eventually become 12 tribes of nations. And so as they become the heads of these tribes, they, be, they, go, they grow so large and their land is now in famine, but because of Joseph, another story for another time, they all moved to the land of Goshen and prosper. Now I know that you probably thought the children of Israel were slaves for 430 years as some people preach, but that's not the case at all. No, they were only slaves for a few years. They were actually quite wealthy. That's why they became a threat. So for hundreds of years, these 12 tribes accumulate great wealth and spread out to the point of being millions strong. And that's when the new Pharaoh in town says, wait a minute, we can't have this. They're bigger than us. They're stronger than us. They're richer than us. And so he took everything away from them and turned them into slaves because he said, if another king comes by, because they were independent, he said, if another king comes by and they ally with him, they can overthrow us. So let's put them in bondage so they made slaves out of them. So now God, in order to get Abraham's promise to come to pass, God has to do a miracle to set them free. After hundreds of years, this promise is still going on. And so God raises up a miracle baby by the name of Moses, another great story for another time. God raises up this miracle baby that should have died. Everyone else was dying, but he didn't die. Everything, where, everything around him was dying, but he didn't die. God raises him up, raises him by God's design in Pharaoh's palace as a son. And then he sends him out so he can come back and bring his people out. God has invested a lot into this promise in Abraham because he walked for 100 years. God sends 10 plagues upon the Egyptians to free the Hebrews so they could leave there and finally go to the promised land, which is how this whole thing started hundreds of years early, earlier. But because of unbelief and fear and discouragement, they could not inherit what God had waiting on them. The giants are too big. We're grasshoppers in their sight. They had the grapes right on their back. They had the fruit of the land right on their back, but they didn't have enough courage to walk by faith. So even though they were on the precipice of victory, they didn't step in because they were afraid. So because of that, God says, I'm sorry, guys, but I got to get rid of you guys. So it's going to take about 40 years of burying people to get this done. So they have to walk. Now, I have actually gone from Egypt to Canaan before. 
on a horse and in camels and on Jeep. And so I wanted to do the whole trek. I actually camped at every campsite of the children of Israel. And I went from Egypt to Canaan to see how long it takes. You know how long it takes by, on foot? 18 days. That's it. Not 40 years. It's an 18-day walk. In less than a month, a little over two weeks, you can get there. It's not very far. But they didn't have enough faith because they still had slavery mentality. And even they were, they were hearing the promises and walking in the promises and had all these people of faith around them, they could not step into the promise. And so they had to wander in the wilderness. But they had two things going for them that gave them courage. They had Moses and they had God's abiding presence. Think about this. Even though they have unbelief and they can't go in yet, they're drinking water from a miracle rock. They're eating manna, angels' food, every single day. Every day they eat manna's food, except on the Sabbath when they gathered twice as much and one day a week, just like clockwork, the ovens of heaven shut down. And they had plenty of food to eat. God sent in quail miracles. Not only that, they have the abiding presence of God. They have the pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night, and miracles. Red seas are opening up. Pharaoh's army is drowning. Miracles all around them. Moses, wow, Moses. Moses gives them the Torah. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Moses gave them all of that. Moses gave them miracles with a staff. Moses gave them the 10 plagues that set them free. Moses gave them the tabernacle where God could dwell with them. Moses gave them the Ten Commandments and the civil code. He brought them the law from the Lord. Moses, the guy who saw the burning bush and no one else saw it but him. Moses, this great Moses, turned slaves into a nation. But now there's a problem. Moses is dead and the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire has moved. It's no longer there. It left when Moses left. And now there's this young Ephraimite who has to become, this young Ephraimite has to become the second leader in the gigantic shoes of the great Moses, and he's about to wet his pants. He is so scared. I know you would be brave, but he was not. I know you wouldn't be afraid at all to follow an act like that, but he was terrified. The promise of Abraham, the sacrifice of Isaac, the blessings of Jacob, the hopes of the 12 tribes of Israel, the legacy of Moses is riding on the shoulders of an inexperienced young leader who has this great promise in front of him but no idea what to do. He's terrified. He's called. He's the right choice, but he's terrified. 
This program is brought to you by the partners of Brian Cutshaw and Church Trainer Ministries. Please help us pray that the Lord will continue to send us more partners so we can expand His kingdom around the world. Joshua doesn't get the same assignment as Moses. Now Moses has a pretty wild assignment. He has to feed millions of people in the desert where there is no Sam's Club and Costco. It just, it's just not there yet. And he has to feed them, sustain them for 40 years. There's no place to buy clothes. There's no Amazon Prime. And so he has to feed them and clothe them and protect them in the wilderness. But that's not Joshua's assignment. Think about this. Joshua's assignment, feeding them man every day, maybe I can handle that. That's not Joshua's assignment. Joshua has to attack fortified cities and conquer lands. He will face down 30 trained armies in 13 fierce battlefields with a wilderness-worn military that has spent more days burying the dead than fighting in battles. How would you like that assignment? This is how the book of Joshua begins. They are about to take their first step out of the season of Moses into the season of Joshua. Think about that giant step, simple little step, out of the wilderness into the promised land. You would think that would be dancing, but they're terrified. It's the scariest thing they have ever done in their life is to step out and trust God and believe God for something they've never seen happen before. And here's where they are. 680 years has gone by since God said, the land is yours. 680 years since Abraham took his first step. And after 680 years of sacrifice and bloodbaths and promises and sacrificed animals and 680 years of doing business with kings and all of these forming the, the, the 12 tribes of Israel into formations and nations, all of this is riding on the shoulders of a young man with a big heart, but no experience. Pressure? What do you think? Feeling the shoes of Moses? What do you think? They had two things going for them. The children of Israel had to have courage too. They had Moses, but no longer. And they had the abiding presence of God but no longer. So not only is he scared, they're scared because it just doesn't look the way it used to look. And they are as scared as he is. The children of Israel have to find out two things. Is God gonna be with Joshua? And is God gonna be with us? Because if he doesn't go with us, man, I can't go. This is, this is an uphill climb. We're gonna fail. I can already see it. It's not gonna happen because there's no more pillar of fire. There's no more pillar of cloud. It's gone. And Moses is gone. And all they've got is Joshua hanging on to 680 years of hard work saying, now it's up to me. 
a new season. God's not gonna move in this season the same way he did, and that would be much easier if God just did what he did. We would know what that looked like, but what if God decides to do something he's never done before? What if God does something we've never seen before? What does that look like, and how do you handle that? That's exactly what he's up against. So this lesson starts out, and that was my introduction, by the way, and so this lesson starts out with me explaining to you two things only. When do you need courage, number one, and point two, how do you get courage? All right, this is the only two things we're gonna talk about. So when do you need courage? Well, the identifying markers of this happen when Moses and God repeat the same phrase over and over. So it starts in Deuteronomy 31, and I'm using the NASB, NASB Bible tonight, which I typically don't use, but I just really felt like this, is the, this one really explained it the way, so the, the New American Standard Bible. So in Deuteronomy 31, verse six, listen to this. Be strong and courageous. And I want you to repeat that line with me. Be strong and courageous. Now say it like you mean it one more time. Be strong and courageous. All right, there's too many Presbyterians. Let's say it one more time. Be strong and courageous. By the way, I, I went to a Presbyterian college. I do, I, I can pick on them just a little bit. All right, so be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or in dread of them for the Lord your God is the one who is going with you. He will not desert you or abandon you. Now this is Moses talking before he died. So before Moses died, he gets him by himself. Jake, can I borrow you for a second, bud? He gets him by himself and he says, listen, man, this, I'm about to die. I'm about to check out here. It's gonna be up to you. You gotta do what I'm doing. How do you like that, Simon? You, you, you gotta do what I'm doing. So this is what this looks like. You, you gotta be me, and you gotta do everything that I'm doing, even though you've never done it before. But here's, here's the word, this is gonna help you, man. Be strong and courageous, and don't be afraid of them, because they can, be, they can look pretty scary. He's talking about the children of Israel. I, I, I know that that's gonna be scary, but be strong and courageous. And then he says, oh, I know what will help him. So he takes him out in front of the people. Stay right there. Look down at verse seven. He takes him down in front of the people. Go to verse seven, if you guys will. And this is what he says. Then Moses called to Joshua and said to him, in the sight of all of Israel. Now they all know this kid is scared. And he brings him out in front of everybody and says, be strong and courageous. I'm about to die and you gotta become me. Right in front of everybody. Thank you, bud. How would you like this assignment? So I want you to say, be strong and courageous. Now turn to somebody else and say, be strong and courageous. Now how many of you know how to do that? Now that's exactly what he needs, but he didn't tell him how to do it. He just told him he needed it, and if he didn't get it, how would you like for somebody to say, you gotta do what I do, and if you're not strong and courageous, you will fail. That's basically what he's just said. So the first thing he's doing is identifying what he needs. So what does he need? Okay, the word strong. What does strong mean and how do you get strong? I mean, I know some guys in this room, I could get Caleb up here and show you what strong looks like, okay? So, so there's, there's some guys in this room who are strong, right? So you think strong is here and you think strong is, how many of you have thought strong was loud? Sometimes loud is a cover-up for insecurity. I just wanna be honest with you. Bullies are usually some of the most insecure people in the room. 
And that's why they back down when you, when you actually stand up to them most of the time. The only time they don't back down is if they got three other bullies standing with them. The rest of the time, if they're by themselves, I promise you they'll back down every time. Loud is usually a front for insecurity. Strong is not about loud. Strong is the ability to endure force and pressure. All right, you want to be strong? Lord, make me desperate. Lord, make me strong. Anybody ever prayed, prayed, God, give me patience? What happens after that? Yeah, you get stuck in traffic the next day. That's what happens when you pray, God, give me patience. The, the little girl at the 7-Eleven gives you the wrong change and calls you a liar. That's what happens the next day. The water bill's too high and they say it's your fault. That's what happens the next day. You know, when you pray, God, give me patience, it's okay. There's only one way to learn it. So now we're saying, God, make me strong. What does strong look like? It's the ability to endure great pressure. So he's telling him, man, you're gonna survive this. You've got to be able to get tough enough to endure great pressure. And you gotta be able to handle it and keep going. When you wanna quit, you just gotta keep going even though it's easier to quit. And the next thing he says, okay, that's strong. Be strong and now be courageous. So courageous is the ability to do something that frightens you. How many of you have ever had to do something that frightened you? It takes courage for that. So I don't want to embarrass these two ladies, but two of the bravest, strongest, courageous women I know are actually sitting here tonight. I want Sandy and Crystal, just stand up real fast. You can stand up and sit down. I just want you to see them, okay? This is Sandy and Crystal. Now, there's a lot of people that move here for revival and they find a house when they get here. Well, God told them to move here, but when they moved here, when, when, how many years ago? 2013, when God told them to move here, they had to move into a tent. And it was October, and they lived in the tent. Now, if you know what Tennessee, October, and November, December's look like, they lived in the tent, and for three months, December, or excuse me, October, November, December, into January, living in a tent. Tell me that's not courageous. That's, the, that's saying, I want this so bad, I'm willing to do something that terrifies me. I'm willing to do something that scares, only strong people can do that. I'm willing to do something that scares me to death, but I'm gonna do it anyway. How many of you have had your Thanksgiving dinner from a tent and your Christmas morning from a tent and your New Year's Day from a tent because you wanted to move somewhere so bad and see God move in your life that you were willing to do something that terrified you in order to do it. And now they have a beautiful home and that's God's reward. But they moved here in a tent. See, it's, it's, it's one thing to think about courage until you put it into an example like that. And then it tells you what courage actually looks like. It's tough, it's strong, it's endurance, it's standing in the face of adversity, it's standing in the face of, of when everything is falling apart around you and, and, and you declare in my weakness he is strong, in my poverty I am rich. Let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor 
say I am rich. Let me say if God be for me, who can be against me? I want to tell you, it's easy to shout that stuff in church, but when you're standing on hell's front door and the demons are in your face and the hounds of hell are at, the, at your heels, it's a lot different when you're saying that then in a walk of faith. Thank you so much for supporting our ministry. If this has blessed you, please say a prayer for us. And if you would like to give, we have four ways that you can do that. You can give online at briancutshaw.com. Or if you're a PayPal user, just PayPal us at Church Trainer. Or you can also give through the mail at P.O. Box 267, Georgetown, Tennessee, 37336. Or if you're a Venmo user, you can Venmo us also at Church Trainer. Thank you, and God bless you, and may the Lord multiply your seed. Now back to Hope in the Word.